Welcome to the Comic Trope. We're in a small room. Everything's going as planned. We're enjoying ourselves and having a conversation. But I've noticed that Sequoia has slowed down. He is no longer moving as quickly. We go to check on him. He's motionless. We open up his battery pack. He's out of batteries. Put a few double A's in there. He's working fine. Sequoia's here. Smiling Dave is here. Amos the Great is here. And me, Blake, I am here. If you haven't listened to the comic trope before, it's pretty easy. We're a comic book podcast. We talk about comics and such. I don't know much about comics, but the people that I invite do. We'll probably talk about a few things today. Today, we're going to talk about Tokyo Ghost by Rick Remender and Sean Murphy. Yep. Correct. <laughs> He's clearly Irish. What else are we talking about? Movie trailers. Mm, we're going to talk about Baby Groot a little bit. What else might we talk about? Tokyo and ghosts. We'll also be speaking about... Ridiculous superpowers. <laughs> yeah. Blake getting high. We won't talk about it as much as enjoy the after effect. <laughs> Kurt Russell's penis. We'll never talk about <laughs> Kurt Russell again. Ever. There's False. Been... I mean, that movie's going to come out next year. We'll have to we'll do it. We'll probably talk about Kurt Russell. What movie? Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, that's the right. The whole reason I mentioned his penis was because he talks about his penis as his character in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I just assumed you brought up penises again. I didn't really think... I was bringing them up with purpose. Penises that might belong to Kurt Russell. <laughs> I wonder if only one belongs to Kurt Russell. You know what I think every time I see an old man? This almost never fails. I think, that's an 80-year-old cock. <laughs> Do you really? I think... That cock was alive during the Hoover administration. That's a Hoover cock. You know, if you go down to the YMCA and Hoover, yeah, oh, you I, might get a chance to see it. Where do you it. think I got this idea? <laughs> Have you ever been to that YMCA? <clears throat> see, that bathroom? Woo, I can remember that locker room? Yeah. Old balls. I mean, I try to work... Hoover balls. I try to do most of my work there because of that. I just sit down, <laughs> open up. Grab my laptop. Join, join my secretary. Do you ever? That's the password. And wonder what type of music your grandparents were listening to when they made love. My grand or great grandparents, like, and not even your grand grandparents. They had to crank up the Victrola. Just people in the twenties. Like, they what did, the hell were they listening to? They did one of two things. They either went and hired Tommy Dorsey to come fucking play while they boned, or they cranked up the Victrola and listened to some shit that was basically just like static with some squeaks. <laughs> Hey, damn, this new Glenn Miller's The Hops. What's bone? <laughs> Are you sure that they just didn't hum insects? Like, they were like, Left my baby in Mississippi. Not you, girl. <laughs> She's a regular ragtime gal. Still not you. I mean, yeah, it was you. <laughs> Let's do an icebreaker. <laughs> That's the sound of ice or an iceberg or whatever. That's good. They're all melting. Yeah. I say it every time. So here's the thing, guys. I'm going to give you a name of a character, and you're going to rename them. And this isn't a, like a ho-hum, let me think about it. Like, you're, gonna, you're just going to rename it, and you're going to do a good job. And we're going to start with Dave. Dave. Uh, so so let, me, let me make sure I got this right. So if you say deflator mouse, I say Batman well. <laughs> you, uh, you know, if I say Superman, and you say... Great guy. That's now Superman's new name. I hope not. I hope that's not what I get, and I hope that's not what I say. I'm not going to say Superman. Greatman. Greatman. Here we go. <laughs> Please rename the Penguin. <laughs> Tuxedo <Hey>. Bastard. 
<laughs> Amos, please rename Cyclops. Tuxedo Bastard. Nope. <laughs> Laser Bastard. <laughs> lasered Guy? Lasered. Lasered. That's hard to say. I'll accept that. Okay, cool. <laughs> Laser Bastard? <laughs> Sequoia. Don't say bastard. Sequoia. Iceman. <laughs> Freeze bro. Freeze yeah, bro. Yeah, I like <laughs> that. <laughs> David. Professor X. Wheels. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's um let me let me give one to uh, Amos that is a throwback to what he has been reading recently. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Rename Harry Potter. Harold Potter. That doesn't count. Damn it. Jiminy Cricket. That's so weird because I swear to God, <laughs> on my list, and I'm showing Dave right now, what is the name <laughs> that is next to Harry Potter? Jiminy Cricket. Really? I swear. It's in my notes right there. Wait, where is Harry Potter? Harry Potter is there <laughs> and then next to it. Bellboy... Jimmy Cricket. Jimmy Cricket. <laughs> wow. So that's weird. That is um, strange. I'm going to leave now. Yeah, I, would, I would rename him Oswald Oxenfree oh, and the God. legend of the dollar store coat. <laughs> I'd repeat that. All right. Got two more to, to warm you up here. Um, Sequoia, rename Hellboy. Um, Hellman. Hellboy. He grew up. Yeah, that really isn't an accurate name. He's a grown ass man. Um, God. I'd say Demon Lord. I don't know. That's not bad. That's not bad. uh, What is it? What's your face calls him? Red? I haven't read Hellboy so long. Demon Skull. All right, Dave. Now rename this. This is the most difficult one on here. I have high expectations for you. I want you to rename Peanut Butter. Uh, peanut butter. The condiment? Yes. Okay. Right. Nut cream. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's really good. I accept that. So if you, if you time traveled and took the place of uh, George Washington Carver, <laughs> like, alas, I created nut cream. <laughs> so every child would go to school eating um, NC and J. <laughs> I can't believe I, my kid has nut cream allergies. Can't Does she? No, she doesn't. I was about to say. <laughs> she doesn't. Um, All right, Blake. I'm going to turn the tables on you, though, for right. a minute. Cable. Cable? Ooh. DSL. Old Wire Man. Old Wire Man. Old Wire Man. All right. I got one more for you. Robin. I'll probably be killed, man. I would go with Decoy Boy. <laughs> decoy Boy. Way That's better. Such a good one. Oh. Decoy Boy. All right. I feel like we're warmed up. Let's move on. Let's talk about news. You hear it. First. The first news I would like to mention is that Thor Ragnarok. Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok. You're getting there. Am I? Okay. That movie that has Thor and Hulk in it, that I believe is called Ragnarok, is going to have a character from Planet Hulk in it that is exciting. 
Some people call him Mike. I prefer Meek, M-I-E-K, crazy little bug creature. Uh, I think that's cool. It just just knowing that we are going to have characters from Planet Hulk kind of intersect this Thor movie is pretty sweet. Insects intersect because he's a bug man. I just want to see Meek go through his metamorphosis. That's the big payoff with that character. Enter his chrysalis? Yes. And then come back out of it? Yes. That'd be cool. More um, Marvel news. We have 20th Century Fox giving us two movie updates. One would be New Mutants and the other X-Force, which very excited for X-Force Pretty excited for New Mutants. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't New Mutants become X-Force in the yes. 90s? Yes, yes. Correct, that book became X-Force after a while, but I'm assuming this is probably based on the newer properties. Well, I, I don't know because, I mean, the whole thing about New Mutants are to X-Men what Teen Titans were to the right. Justice League. And I feel like when you've got an X-Men movie that's already occupied by a bunch of young 20-somethings or, or late teen actors... Sort of, what's the point of having a new mutants film? I don't get it. You know, that's sort of what the what the role those characters are already playing. But X Force, I'm excited for. I, I love some X Force um, if I, they do it right. And I think it's the way to go for the Deadpool franchise. Don't try to make Deadpool four, five, and six. Try to make a try to make a good team movie about it. Do yeah. you know? Do what Civil War did in. Um, Captain America. I, I think the thing is for a good, successful X-Force movie, they're going to really have to bring the action. And I don't mean a bunch of people standing around with their hands in the air, looking constipated like they're using their powers. Like, X-Force, it was a, it was a blend of people using powers and people shooting guns, so it, they really have to up the action quotient to Agreed. do a good film. It's a Liefeld book, so there got to be crazy-ass guns and swords, man. Or even the latter stuff that, uh, was it Jason Aaron or Rick Remender wrote it, the Uncanny X-Force That's Rick stuff. Remender, isn't it? I think it was, yeah, it was Remender. I mean, that was that's some good stuff, so if they can kind of capture those two runs, I mean, as much as people like to clown on Liefeld's art, it was exciting stuff when I was a kid. So. Hell yeah! Deadpool 2, maybe Valentine's Day 2019. That is what the rumor is. I may live that long. <laughs> well, didn't it come out last February? This this past February, so yeah, 2016, yeah. so three okay. years. Oh okay. god, yeah, yeah. So it could mm-hmm. be. And Kingsman Two was pushed back, and it wasn't the it wasn't 20th Century Fox that pushed it back. It was the creative team asked for it to be pushed back. Not That's sure fine, what that man. Means. All of Millar's sequels are garbage, so it doesn't matter. Kingsman was I thought it was a really good oh, film. It man. is just like yeah. Kick Ass was a really good film, but mm-hmm. I wasn't gonna watch Kick Ass too. Never saw. I will say the thing in regards to uh, Deadpool 2 I'm excited about is they said, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but the dude who directed John Wick. The co-director. Co-director. Yeah. yeah. Still. Yeah. Still. So that's, Agreed. Still. I'm, I'm totally on board for that. I really enjoyed the Snowpiercer movie that came out a little while ago uh, based off of a uh, French comic series I never read. Totally honest. Didn't even know it was a comic book movie. <laughs> but they are making a TV, a short-run TV series about it. And it's going to be done by the person who did Terminator of the Sarah Connor Chronicles. A um, decent show for uh, for Canadian <laughs> cast. Not bad. Uh, co-producer uh, Josh Friedman is going to be the showrunner for it. I, I would say the only issue I'd have with that is... 
the movie pretty much lays out everything you need to know. And so unless this is going to be like a prequel series, like the early days of the Snowpiercer, I don't much see the point. It's just going to be a bunch of people eating bugs for like five issues. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what was the uh, what was the name of the lead up to uh, Battlestar Galactica? Oh, um, Caprica? Caprica. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be like that. It'll be the last days of people before the train train. Uh, Frank Marshall, who was the produ- the yeah the producer for all of the Back to the Future franchise, said in an interview that as long as he's alive, there will never be a reboot of Back to the Future. Thank you, sir. Thank you for protecting at least one part of my childhood. I mean, I'm fine with that. You know it inevitably is going to happen. Mm-hmm. But don't y'all remember like... I forgot, we'll say about 10 years ago, give or take. You remember, y'all do remember they were talking about doing yeah. a remake with Zac Efron. And that was supposed to be the whole ironic twist was that it took place in like 2005. But he was going to go back to like 1995 or something like that. And the same story and all that crap. And I guess for whatever reason, God chose to favor us at night. <laughs> Let it follow through. God. <laughs> no. <laughs> Little known fact. Uh, Syria, Aleppo, uh, but this back to the future bullshit. <laughs> I gotta step in. <laughs> There's a line that has to be drawn. <laughs> New Wonder Woman trailer came and went. I don't have too much to say about it other than I feel like I have been shown the whole movie. But I think anyone who listens to this probably thinks that we all we do is shit on DC. It's not the case. I will buy a ticket to see this movie. He will take the ride. I will do that because I want to support female-fronted action movies. I think that's important. But I'm also not sure it's going to be good. I mean, I'll support them when they're good. I mean, that's... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to say. Do I have the right to pick and choose what female-fronted movies I get to support? Yes. You do, but not in this case. I mean, Wonder Woman, I mean, she deserves it, uh... But, like, say if it was a Kathy movie or uh, <laughs> some other shitty female comic characters. Kathy's uh, the only one I can think of this. Well, you know, for yeah. me, and, and to your point about us shitting on DC, they deserve to get shit on them until they make a good movie. Mm. Until they don't fuck themselves. So, if they were the kind of studio that put out movies that I knew before ever seeing one, that even if it was the worst one they put out, it would still be a good enough watch, then I'd go do it. But as is, I'm going to go see Wonder Woman if the reviews are better than Suicide Squad, if the reviews are better than Batman vs. Superman. If not, because I'm a fan of, of Wonder Woman and, and DC Comics, I will eventually see the film, but I will not be in a rush to do so. All right, here we go. Moving on. <clears throat> We all just watched the new Guardians of the Galaxy trailer. As a family. Volume 2, as a fam. And my thoughts are, I'm excited. It's lit, fam. Uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't excited at first, but that, uh, that whole little bit at the end with Drax, uh, that, that, tickled, that tickled me uh, pretty much. And uh, yeah, I'm down. I'm down. I'm worried about um, Lil Groot turning into the Ewok of the movie. The you Jar know, Jar of the, the Jar Jar of the nah, movie. Nah. Little concern. Little. Just a little. I think James Gunn knows how to, you know, he knows what he's doing, I think. Yeah, I don't. It's just more crap to sell. I mean, do you know how many, like, baby group 
in a flower pot. Yeah, I do. I got a kid. Yeah. All I, all, I, all I get to see is like people sending me like, you should get this for your daughter. Dress your daughter up like this. I bought no, three of those motherfuckers last year and gave them out as gifts. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to see Mantis in it. Uh, she's one of my favorite characters from the comics. So that'll be interesting. They kind of sexed her up, which is weird, but whatever. You think so? You didn't get turned on by them little little eyeball her, things her little tentacles no, or really <laughs> Amos got not tentacles I can't believe you're into what are they <laughs> antenna stops yeah. I don't know what was going on those an- erect antennae has got to me I guess yeah. gonna cut that out I got reverse erect a- antennae from that so you can't see them right now <laughs> they're inside me because that had the opposite effect <laughs> So let's talk about a comic book that Amos picked out for us to read. Uh, the comic book is Tokyo Ghost by Rick Remender. Art done by Sean Gordon Murphy and Matt Hollingsworth has something to do with it. Not exactly sure what he did. Colors, some, I think. Some of the colors? Okay. I think so. <clears throat> and before we jump into dissecting the book, Amos, can you kind of give us a plot synopsis or a summary? Before you do that, can I just add that I spent the entirety of reading this first volume of this book hoping that Bow Wow was going to show up and Tokyo Drift a little on one of those motorcycles and it just never panned out. So, No Bow Wow. No Bow Wow, guys. In case you were you know, thinking about picking this up and you've seen it on your local uh, comic book store shelves, I just want to let you know there's no Bow Wow to be had. What Venn diagram has... Um... Like Bow Wow, yeah, Rick Remender and Bow Wow. Is he still going? Bow-wow? He's like Shad Moore or something. Shad like Michael Murray, I think. Is didn't what he, he Shad Michael Murray? <laughs> didn't he announce that he's not doing it? He's not in the game anymore. Rap didn't know. He's in the, yeah, he's strictly an actor now. Hmm. Yes, of course. Yeah. All right, that was great, and I won't cut it out. I promise. <laughs> so, Tokyo Ghost. Uh, it's set in I think 2089 in. Uh, Los Angeles and is a dystopian society where uh, natural resources are more scarce than they are now. Uh, it never really drives that element home. Well, that's not true. There is a lot of stuff about scarcity and wars over uh, resources. Um, everyone is addicted to the sort of personal technology of the time, which is kind of an augmented reality thing where, you know, people are wearing visors that are basically showing them ads and TV shows and whatnot all the time. It's a lot like idiocracy uh, in that regard. Anyway, it's about these this couple who are detectives, more or less. Bounty uh, hunters. Bounty hunters. Yeah, something. They're like Judge Dredd. Called constables. <clears throat> yeah. They're constables. Uh, and they, the, the guy, Led Dent, is addicted to his technology, just like everyone else. And his girlfriend is free of all of that stuff. Debbie and, Decay, right? Yeah. And, uh, she basically drags him along to Tokyo, which is now, in this year, um, a society devoid of technology. They all live what they call the Neo Bushido lifestyle. And, uh, you know, she's really taken with that. And it's, it's hard for, um, led to, or Teddy, which is his real name, to let go of all of his, you know, futuristic techno stuff that he's addicted to. Worldly digi trappings. <laughs> Worldly digi trappings. 
of the late 21st century. Uh, and stuff happens involving swords and guns and motorcycle deaths and things like that. And it's got really cool art. And brain takeovers. There's some oh, brain. Yeah. There's, 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 there's also some... a guy who inexplicably uses like early 2000s slang in 2089. And he's the bad guy. He's basically like one of the characters from Clockwork Orange. Davy Trauma <clears throat> has the ability to hack into any of the implants so he can basically control people. Right. Um, he is the first job that uh, Debbie and Lead Dent have um, in time. the book. Yeah. yeah. And the idea is if they get this guy, uh, Davey Trauma, that the owner of the world, basically the owner of L.A. called Flack, will let them go. Turns out that it's actually not the last job, and he wants them to go to Tokyo to uh, walk in there and figure out a way to let all of Flack's people in so they can take over Tokyo because they want all of the natural... This is a cyberpunk book. This is by far the most cyberpunk book I've ever read. It uh, It's like Neil Stevenson and uh, William Gibson just... like Someone jumped into their mind and pulled it out and put it on paper. Uh, so I much say so... that good. <laughs> no, no. So much so that I, I fear that the book <clears throat> hit the tropes of cyberpunk a little too hard like the slang that was used was a little much for me and i don't know i think it got close to being cliche when it came to some of um some of the the terms used and and the in the net kind of are you talking about like so with davy trauma's parts i mean yeah that's I don't really get why he made that decision. Well, it's like he was taking the, uh, um, what do they call the language that the characters in Clockwork Orange used? Oh, jeez. Nagsat, something like that. Yeah. It's it's like Rick Remender wanted to use that uh, in a more sort of modern, not relatable, but something people have heard, but it just seems yeah. weird when you well, say Well, his whole character is that he's supposed to be the futuristic version of what a air quote hipster is now. Somebody who's a little overly a interested. Yeah, you know, someone who's a little too into the past. So his past would be our present. So that's why all the language would kind of sync up. But I mean, you know, look at how he dresses. It's sort of like a, you know, what would you consider a modern day hipster? Sort of a trilby hat and the Vest and right. the That's what power glove with the Atari joystick <laughs> and Coleco <laughs> controller. So it's you know it's 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 anachronistic. I mean, he would be sort of the equivalent of a, a, a steampunker right now, only with like early twenty first century technology. I never saw. I mean, they, I think that's what they refer to him as when uh, Debbie's giving a description of him when they're she's talking about the job. That's just what I, I remember from the okay. book. I never thought about like the that he's obsessed with past things. Yeah. Okay. To keep this organized, Amos, why don't you tell us um, what you really liked about the book? The and art. Well, also that they're really not or that it's kind of a polemic, I guess, against um, being too into uh, 
not just social media, but the sort of potential logical conclusion of social media. Um, so much that they're presenting it as an actual drip drug that you're getting through yeah. your advisor, not necessarily something that you consume um, like regularly. This is something that you continuously consume. Uh, for instance, lead, um, that's his name, right? Yeah, lead yeah. dent. Lead dent um, talks about needing his shows like a heroin addict would need his fix. Right. Right. And, I mean, really, that's how I think a lot of people are with things like social media. You know, there, there's been a lot of studies done on, like, the dopamine hit that your brain gets when you check your email or, you know, get likes or whatever. So this is just that writ large. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's a simple idea. It's compelling to a point, but I do think one of the faults of the book is it's like, okay, where does it go from there? Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know. Um, I've read some criticisms of it for, like, it, it sort of seems to inject that whole Bushido thing out of nowhere. Um, but I don't know. I think it's fine. Really, I just think the art is so good. What do you like about the art specifically? How, how detailed it is, but how um, somewhat impressionistic it can be. I mean, Sean Murphy does all these landscapes and all these big splash pages that look so good. Yeah. The colors are fantastic throughout, I think. I was um, so impressed with the backgrounds of yes. this book. I found myself more interested in the detail of the art in the background than what was happening in the foreground. Like there's, especially in the city, yeah. you can see people in the background, like, like living their life, which is so weird that it's that detailed. It's like, where's Waldo if it was really fucked up? Yeah. I mean, there's so much happening in the book that if yeah. you decide not to read it and just kind of flip through and analyze the pages, you, you, you could get lost in that easily. Yeah. The, the art is just fantastic. And there are all these little jokes in it. Like uh, there's a black science pinball game in one of the panels. And uh, there is a Twitter, or a Twitter like feed in someone's visor. And it's all about why Rick Remender sucks. <laughs> um, it's like, he should have stuck to art, something like that. Uh, just lots of little things like that. So it's, it's really fun to look at. It's one, it's, more than any other image comic I've read in a long, or probably anything I've read in a while, this one benefits, I think, a lot from reading it in print as opposed to on a tablet, which is where I read most comics. Um, that's really, I mean, the biggest reason I have like print versions of this one is because I think the art is so great. And I don't want to short sell the story. I do think that Debbie is pretty awesome and compelling. Uh, I don't know necessarily why... I mean, you know, you can get it to, I feel like you can make a critic or you can analyze a lot of these stories, um, in a uh, mode that, like about things like objectivism or objectification, I guess, like, you know, like the way she's dressed the whole time. Uh, but it's not in a way that I think is exploitative in this comic, but it was like, where is that line drawn? Uh, there's a good pun. Um, <laughs> 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 I think it is hard 
is it is hard to not see how sexualized she's drawn. There's a lot of penis in this book as well, so it's kind of hard. Yeah, there's like a, there's like a scene where she's in like a club or something, and in the background there's like little stick man with a stick dick and like a little stick vagina next to him <laughs> on the woman. Yeah, there's plenty of <clears throat> dicks and breasts in this comic. Pussy wussies and all kinds of things. <laughs> Etc. I think, I mean, you do get a sense of how kind of depraved society is in this. Uh, I mean, like the the total lawlessness. Well, seemingly, I mean, led. You know, the the two protagonists are basically law enforcement. They're the you know late twenty first century version of law enforcement. Um, But there's just there's just death everywhere. I mean, there's you know like the. The scene in the first issue at the death race where there's a guy selling, like, you know, suicide. I think he calls them checkout pills, something like that. Yeah. In the stands like it was popcorn. Yeah. You get a sense of how cartoonishly desolate and miserable this landscape is. And for anyone who wasn't hooked into their, let's say, VR thing all the time, like Debbie... You know, she sees it for what it is. She sees the misery of it. And uh, I don't know, that those themes, I think, are just very applicable to today mm-hmm. between the everyone's obsession with what's on their phones and then also things like the opioid epidemic that's, you know, all over the country and a lot of places that have, you know, that has really just decimated so many communities. Um, I, I'm not... You know, I don't know if he was thinking specifically of that when he was writing this, but I think there are a lot of issues today that um, are somewhat covered in this. uh, Absolutely, but it was not done lightly handed. No, yeah. (laughs) It was like. It's not subtle. No, it's just continuously like. It's continuously shoved in the reader's face, which is one thing I didn't. But then so is, I mean, and, you know, some people might, I'm not trying to say this is what comic books are or, like, shortchanging what the whole medium is capable of. But, I mean, V for Vendetta isn't subtle either. You know, these are stories that really kind of, you know, like, it's not crime and punishment. It's pretty on the nose about what it's talking about. Because, it's you know, the whole you can read the whole thing. No, it doesn't hide what... It, the opinions of the author are not hidden in this book at all. And that, and I think that that's fine. And and you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to say, this is my world, these are the things I want to talk about. And I think that's fine if you can read it like that. Um, what I'd like to talk about, though, is the relationship between uh, Debbie and Dent. Because it's... It's kind of like interesting that her real weakness in this book is him yeah. because he decides to become this law enforcement um, punisher type. What was it called again? Bounty hunter. Uh, constable. Constable. He decided to become a constable because he wasn't strong enough to protect her, but really... And I, I believe the real reason he did it is because he just wanted to be strong. And he was using her as an excuse to be strong. Um, and she, on the other hand, was using him as an excuse um, like to leave that technology 
driven society, but really she wanted to leave anyways. I think, I mean, their whole relationship, I guess, is also analogous to, you know, what addiction does to not just the addicted person, but their yeah. loved ones. You know, she has this unhealthy codependent relationship. He's the only, other than her father who passed away when she was young, he is the only positive relationship she has ever had. Uh, so, you know, he has slipped further and further into this addiction and become someone she doesn't recognize, but she can't let go of him. And I think her desire to go to, you know, Tokyo where there is no technology is just as much about her desire to get him back as her desire to escape. Yeah, her, I agree very with that. Focused on that. And unlike some books we've read, I think that the technology and the sci-fi are warranted for this relationship because it's a different take on addiction. And you can this is you can have this story about heroin in LA in the 1980s, but you're having this story about technology, this continuous drip of media in the future. It's the same it's the same story, but it's a different take on it and it it's giving you a parallel of like, well, anything in anything in this amount is bad for you. And I think that that's really cool. And that's the one thing that I took away from it that I really liked is their relationship, I think, was the best part of this book next to the art. It was really believable. The one gripe I have about the characters is that they're hyper-violent, but they don't like how hyper-violent the bad people are in this book. And... I think that people like that exist. The, you know, I point my finger at these people for doing stuff that I don't agree with, but I do it myself. So I think that's like practically every scene. Yeah. So that, but in this context, it's just like when they're like killing so many people on accident just to get the bad guy, it made me question whether or not why they're actually doing it. Are they doing it for society or are they just doing it to escape? Because if they're saying that they're doing it to help everyone, I think that's a lie. The reason that they're trying to get these bad guys, and the only reason, is to get out of L.A. And I don't think they really care about the people around them. So are, are you talking about the first issue where you see so much of Debbie running from Davy Trauma and his yeah. henchmen, and they're basically just killing people wholesale all around her? Yeah, and I think later on in the book, um, at least Debbie learns to be more humane. Well, she says, you know, as she is running from all this carnage, she says things like, you know, she's telling herself, you know, don't look, don't turn around, don't look at all this, you know. I, I can't remember exactly what she says, but she does, she is thinking to herself, this is, you know, an unbelievable amount of pain that yeah. is being, and she doesn't, I mean, does she ever kill anybody? Yeah. She does? She definitely kills, um, oh, you think that she kills Top Hat Dude. What's his name again? Davey. Davey. You think that she kills Davey. Davey okay. Havoc, the lead singer of AFI. D- he <laughs> That's what I thought every time yeah. I read his name. Yeah. <laughs> Davey Trauma. But I guess <clears throat> at the end of the day, here the two things I really liked about this book was their relationship and the art. The problems I had with this book... Um, were it it borderlined um too much like just everything everything was like at 15 like oh yeah media's bad technology's bad be a luddite like 
Look at all of these. Uh, look at all of these samurai people. They're living cool. Everything's cool if you're samurai. Right. Technology's bad, and I think that you can do that and just turn it down a little bit. Just be a little more subtle. And also, like the main bad guy track is obviously Donald Trump. Oh, just wait till volume two or Flack. Flack, Flack is yeah. absolutely Trump. Yeah, and that, yeah. And as of just taking this as volume one because I haven't read volume two. It didn't feel like a finished story. Yeah, I mean, there are only the two volumes. So this really is just the first half of, like, the whole thing is contained in those two volumes. So I'll read volume two, but as a standalone, I could only give this, like, a C plus, I think. Dang. But I need to, I really believe I need to read volume two to, to see where this is going. Uh, it, it, I don't know if it goes anywhere. Volume two is not as good so as that's me. And I, so Amos and I have talked a whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> Sequoia... Give us your two cents, man. You've been silent. Yeah. Uh, well, I, you know, sitting back and listening to you guys, I was very much amazed that, and impressed that y'all were able to find that much depth in this book where I saw none of that whatsoever. But like I said, you guys made very good points, and it's like it was very enlightening. I read this book, and I fucking hated it, honestly. Um <clears throat> I think we all agree that Sean Gordon Murphy's artwork is the thing that makes this book. And I feel like it's the only reason it, it exists. I mean, this book is purely based on aesthetics. You know, just from the standpoint of, okay, here are two things we like visually, samurais and cyberpunk. You know, uh, Sean Gordon Murphy, I mean, he has a history of drawing, like, really badass cars and motorcycles and vehicles and stuff. Like, uh... Prior to this, he was doing The Wake with Scott Snyder. Which is amazing. I've never read it, but I've heard nothing but good stuff. He did uh, Punk Rock Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then there was that uh, Cafe... Oh, Lord, I'm trying to... It was like Cafe Racer or or something like that. He was doing some motorcycle-themed comic book or art book. And um, I I love the visuals in this. But it's one of those things I... It's a little too heavy on the tropes for me, and I, I just did not care for it story-wise whatsoever. Like, what you were saying before about you could just sit back and look at the pages and not even read it. And that's part of the problem I had with it, because there's so much information crammed onto the screen, or I'm sorry, the panels. I had a hard time trying to pick out Debbie's like you know internal monologue and captions and stuff. And I couldn't differentiate what she was thinking versus some billboard in the background or something that was showing up on LED's um, uh, visor. Yeah, AR visor or whatever. So it was just too much visual clutter for me. Um, and it, it just it just really jarred the hell out of me. Um, I think when, uh, when I first finished this book, I, I made the comment... To you guys, this is this book was like Blade Runner and Akira decided to have a gangbang with the Last Samurai, and I still st- and <laughs> I still the Last Samurai, the Tom Cruise, yeah, movie. The Tom Cruise movie. <laughs> okay, that's what I thought. I mean, that's that's the only way I can really describe it because it's just like it, the visuals, the big neon billboards, the big holograms in the sky. I mean, that's all we've seen in dozens of other cyberpunk movies or books. You know, it, it's something that's I feel is just overdone. Um, 
and, and then the whole thing of, oh, well, we have to go to Tokyo and for whatever, I, I, you know, whatever reason we have to go to Tokyo and, you know, it's now this neo-feudal society. I don't understand why Tokyo would revert back to that type of lifestyle. I guess it's just the visual juxtaposition or it was just a reason or excuse to have samurais and ninjas still floating around in the year 2089. But, um, and I guess there's some irony to that because, you know, Tokyo is no different than LA right now, realistically. So the whole idea of the most or what was once the most futuristic city in the world is now reverted back to this ancient, you know, cultural way. Right. I did think that, you know, when I read it, I was like, Tokyo would be like the last place where there's no technology. Yeah, well, she, yeah. she even makes the comment at one point. She's like, they have trees. I was like, they don't got no fucking trees in Tokyo. You got to go to the country for that. <laughs> Outside of Tokyo. But, yeah, so, I mean, and I don't mean to be totally dismissive of the book. But, yeah, it was, it, I just, I had a hard time caring about anybody. Um and I totally got confused. I mean, you know, when you get the whole switch up of, oh, Led Dent is actually this guy, Teddy, that she keeps referring to. It's just that was his identity before he got hooked on steroids and cybernetic implants and, you know, a constant AR new, you know, information stream. Um, I just did not give a damn. I'm sorry. That's fine. Yeah. Give us a letter grade. I'll give it a D. All right. D. D. That's Damn, a, I didn't so, like this book. Is it, <laughs> is it worse than Civil War? I no, because visually this is more. This is this is a lot more pleasing than Civil War. I think. I mean, I at least I at least appreciate the fact that these guys did something that they wanted to do, and it is hella pretty. If anything, I took away from it. Sean Gordon Murphy should have been the guy drawing the wacky Raceland comic. For uh, Hanna Barbera, because I mean that's really where his talent is. But I, I don't know. I don't much see this, the point of this book. It's just there to be there. But that's fine if you're a fan of those guys. You know, you'll love it. But I didn't. What uh, reading this and reading some of the criticism about it made me think. Maybe I don't know if this question is like maybe a little myopic. But uh, as far as Story versus visuals in comics. What, if anything, do you think is more important? Ah, the age-old question, right. similar to beats and rhymes in rap music. <laughs> right. Which one is? Which one sells the books? Huh? Which one pushes or for the tapes? You, in folk music, banjo or yodeling? <laughs> what do you think I listen to? Where did this come from? I mean, I assume Zumba is like banjo and yodeling and Zumba, right? <laughs> I'll cut all this out. I'm sorry. I can enjoy a well-written story in spite of shitty art, but some of the most beautiful art on the earth isn't going to make me want to tolerate a shitty story. See, I feel like with comics, I feel like the opposite. Really? Yeah, like, I mean, I feel like anyone listening to this is going to hate this, but, like, I feel like there's, it's kind of like with video games. There has been a there have been a lot of really compelling stories told. But to me, compared to 
what I think of as the best of, and I know this is going to sound pretentious, but whatever, the best of like film and books. I just don't, I, I don't think anybody's written a comic book that's, you know, that's going to be like, I don't want to say Citizen Kane because I don't really like Citizen Kane, but, uh, on the back of what you're talking about, it makes me think about all the hype and hoopla that's going on right now in the last couple of days after the reveal trailer for... Well, not the reveal, because we've already seen it, but the trailer we got at the Video Game Awards the other night of Death Stranding, uh, Hideo Kojima's new game. And the whole time it's that I, I've seen it is that, A, I don't give a fuck about this man's games because I find them to be way too saturated in storytelling that at best would be like a C-level movie, Right. Um, and it's way too entrenched in that and not in gameplay. So my whole thing is, is that this looks like a shit fucking game and an amazing movie, right? This is better suited for a format like cinema. And I think that when people talk about like, we got to push games to be more cinematic, we got to make comic books more cinematic and more literary. When we, when we toss these terms around, we're, we're doing a disservice to what the medium is really supposed to be doing. And when you read something that can really only be done as a comic book, that's whenever you achieve true amazing status. And so when people go like, oh, this such and such is my favorite comic book of all time. I hope they make it into a movie. I say no. I hope they don't. I hope they they can take elements of what you love about this and make it into something compelling, cinematic, but I think what you're getting at is that, you know, certain things are best left to certain mediums. Yeah. And I think that this story right. is best told. I, I, I can get behind that. So, like, I mean, it could be a cool movie. But uh, I guess I just have, I feel like I have a different standard for subtlety when it comes to, let's say, Neuromancer. I'm trying to think of a, a cyberpunk novel. That, Shadowrun or something like that. Yeah, then uh, I haven't read that. But uh, it was like forty books. But yeah, then <laughs> something else. Like then, I haven't read them either. <laughs> so yeah, so, so I just have a different standard. Like it doesn't bother me when this is subtle. To me, there's an element that I really like about most comic books that's like kind of like professional wrestling. It's yeah. like it's super American. It's a little disposable, but it's also kind of awesome in that pop art way. Uh, and I, to me, this book hits that pretty well. Uh, it's maybe a little cliche, although not. I mean, like you know, it's not as bad as everything about vampires and zombies to me. Yeah. But it, it could get there. <laughs> so I think that's a strike against it, and and. Yeah, it does feel like the whole Bushido samurai thing is like tacked on. I don't really feel like I understand why that needs to be part of the story. But it's cool, and they wanted it to be in there, right? Yeah. So I kind of, you know, it's like it's like Mad Max. Um, you know, those just look awesome, and they aren't telling the most profound story in the world. I just love, uh, you know, it's just a, a visual treat, I guess, and. And to me, the, the narrative that this is built on serves that enough that I can really get behind it. Yeah. So that's interesting. So it seems that you like the book for the same reasons that I have issues with it and Sequoia has issues with it. 
Maybe in spite of those things, they just don't bother me as much. No, but I also saying. haven't read like nearly as many comics as you have. So, so something that's written in this vein, yeah. I might not be as. Familiar. I mean, I love sci-fi, but I don't go to the dystopian cyberpunk stuff as much as other kinds of sci-fi. So, what to me might be a more original, fresh kind of story to someone who has read more of these kind of stories might. Be a trope. Feel like oh, here we are again. Yeah. Well, like I said, listening to you two talk, I mean, I saw the book in a whole new light, so I might have to go back and reread it with a different mindset. But I think the thing that you got out of it, you know, with the relationship between Dent and Debbie, and you know, all this whole thing, the metaphor for addiction, which I think is kind of painfully obvious, but still, that poignancy that you found in that is there. I just think a lot of it gets drowned out by the visuals and that does the story a disservice because it's everything's so turned up uh-huh. that the quiet, subtle moments are just drowned out by it. Um, so. You know, the, the whole thing that I thought about while reading this book uh, was that this story presented in the over the top, like turned up, turned up way that it was, <laughs> is that this story could have been on one of the visors. Like yeah. he could have been watching this story unfold on his visor. I thought that an awful lot while reading it. Um, you know, I, I think that it was it wasn't as nuanced as some other books you know that, that I've read that might kind of take place in a similar setting. Uh, but it was fun. It wasn't the best book I've ever read. It wasn't the worst book I've ever read. I'd probably you know give it a C minus or a D plus. It was kind of sexy in some places, and it definitely had a lot of action. So. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and her ass was in it a lot too. Yeah. So Amos gives this a I'd say A minus. Sequoia gave this a D. Dave gave this a C minus. And I gave this a C plus? What did I say? Five. C plus plus. He gave it objective C. And I gave this a <laughs> C minus. I would I, say it's one of it's our probably most polarizing one, but it's really just I don't know. I, I, I will go on to read the second. I'm borrowing your copy and I'm going to read a second. So, okay. I might, I might go back in time and change my answer. <laughs> I probably won't. So, hey, that was a book. And I'm glad that we read it together. Hey, guys. Let's play a game. The game this week will be called, wait, man, what? Where I got high and I thought of comic book character names. And comic book character powers. So here is how it works. I will give you a comic book character name, and you will explain to me who this comic book character is. Or I will give you a power, and you will tell me what that person's name is based on their power set. Everyone following me? Yep. (laughs) Also, I have forgotten most of these because, again, I was really stoned when I came up with them. I'm going to switch it up a little bit. We're going to start with a power. This person is a time-traveling butcher who has a magic whip made out of meat. (laughs) What is his name? Slip knife. What? (laughs) Slip knife? Slip knife. What is... Oh, like time slip. Like a slipstream. Slipstream? Yeah. Slip meat? (laughs) Chrono cow. Chrono cow. I'll accept Chrono cow. How about Chrono Carl? That's like a that's a that's a butcher name, right? Yeah. 
Here's a name of a comic book character. Hagaslass. Hagaslass. Hagaslass? Hagaslass. 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 to It's Paul Haggis's uh, daughter. <laughs> Give me her power set. And also possibly an accent. She murders villains and stuffs them full of sheep organs. Oh my god. That is so dark. But you know what Haggis is, right? Yeah, but okay. I just thought it was funny. I was hoping you'd do an accent. That's the only reason I came up I with it. I could say what I just said in a Scottish accent. Please do. She murders the bad guys. And then she stuffs them with all the sheep parts. It's great. I tell you, it's great. I feel like a wee baron when I talk about it. I don't know. That wasn't the best guy. <laughs> this is pretty good. I'll, I'll accept that. All right. Can the power is can morph into any movie character by spoiling the end of said movie. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> like like he, was so weird. he was dead the whole time. <laughs> you really were hot. So like so he goes, "I'm your father," and he turns into Darth Vader. Yes. <laughs> or or, or he wants to be. And he becomes Haley Joloss. That's what I was getting at. Or Bruce Willis. Like I see dead people. Bruce Willis. <laughs> so what's the name of this I character? I love that idea. <laughs> I like the spoiler. Oh yeah, yeah. I was yeah. gonna say spoil sport. <laughs> the spoiler's mad good. We'll go with the spoiler. All right. Here's the name of this character, the Pickler. What is his power set? I mean, I, I, I was going to go the same direction. That's where I was going. And this guy's a serial killer. Oh, kills them, stuffs them in vinegar, yeah. and then rolls them down in front of the courthouse and just like runs away in the night. Salty. Because all these people are heroes. They could be villains, you know. Tight. And then he runs no, away. Pickler. I was thinking he just blasts Brian out of his hands. Huh, yeah. That'd be good, too. Drowning people in vinegar. His sidekick is Vinegar. Yeah. Boo! (laughs) I like that. I thought that was good. Has ability to actually fight fire, punch and kick the fire and flames, and they disappear, but he, she, must be wearing a funny hat. Like a fireman's hat? Nope. Just a funny hat in general. Man, I wish I had seen you writing these (laughs) tents. I thought they were such good ideas. (laughs) So what's the name of this person? Funny hat, punches fire, and it disappears. <laughs> what constitutes a funny hat? I, you know, we can Re- wear it. Oh, yes. Return to Cinder. What? Oh, yeah. Cinder. That's <laughs> in Cinder. Right, right, got right. it. Got it. That's so pretty. <laughs> All right. Oh, wow. This is bad. <clears throat> the name of this superhero <laughs> is Jeremy Spoken. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> what, what power does Jeremy Spoken bullets? Have? Just bullets all day, every day. <laughs> he, he, he bites recess te- te- teachers' tits a lot. He throws bootleg Pearl Jam concert discs at you. He's got he's got a mean left hook. Ooh, God! Oh. Mashed his teeth and bit the recess lady's breast. How could I forget? He just like stays here. Surprise, Ooh, my jaw is hurting. Oh, I got a Just like today. Oh, like the day I heard. Wait, can we start a program? Yes. Can control people by asking them to do things much like the Purple Man, but must sound very unsure of himself. 
like everything's a question. Like he's gone to the bank and he's going to will someone to give him the money. And he says, you're going to give me the money? And then, only then can that person be willed into doing it. <laughs> the purplish man? Give me all your money? I would call him the yes man? <laughs> what a question mark. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about uh, passive aggressive Pete. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like peace pot Pete. Passive aggressive Pete. Oh, that's fun. Oh, we'll take that. Alright, here we go. This one is really bad. Um, Seaman horse spelled like C S E A hyphen M A N hyphen W H O R S E like C man horse C man whores C man horse I don't know why I wrote this so it's horse like with a W at the beginning yes it's like so he's a horse <laughs> he's like a whore horse and see so it's like a seahorse it's also a sea whore so what is a sea whore a mermaid sea whores are mermaids. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay, that's his power. He just has to explain his name. Eventually, <laughs> the villains get distracted and walk away. What the fuck? You, a horse? If, why are you... But why do you have hooves? Because seahorses, they have a tail. And, and why are you trying to have sex with everyone? Ah, is that just, semen? Oh, I'm done. Seaman horse. Right, just take me to jail. Alright, I'll, I'll accept that since it was so horrible. Alright. He's like those sea cucumbers that you like... Do the thing to and they <laughs> explode. Chaculates <laughs> Oh god, my thumbs. <laughs> oh, this I is really bad too. Ability to jump really high when wearing shoes without socks. Chief stinky feet. <laughs> Chief stinky so feet. So if he is. puts on socks, he has no power. Yeah, but he, he removes them and then puts his shoes back off. Yep. Barefoot. He can't jump really high without shoes. Exactly. Barefoot the leaper. Barefoot the leaper for the win. <laughs> Here's the name of the. You gotta say the whole thing like Tribe Called Quest. <laughs> it's a pimp named Slickback. Swooping Evil is the name of Swooping this character. Evil. <laughs> that's is that awesome the, name. That's the thing from. Uh, did you did you get high after you watched Fantastic Beasts? Isn't that the name of that that flying thing from Fantastic Beasts? I don't even know what Fantastic Beasts the is. Movie? The yeah. You know, Harry Potter spinoff. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Get at Them. I've never seen that movie. <laughs> Fantastic Beasts. Where to Get at Them. Okay. I, well, I'm sorry. Where to hit them up? Maybe like I heard someone talking about it <laughs> and then it, it somehow found its way into my brain. But either way, this man or woman's name is Swooping Evil and you have to give them powers. Cool critters and how to holler at them. <laughs> That's... It's... Swooping I, Evil. It's like the Whips version. Swooping Evil is like a really maniacal scene kid from the mid-2000s that's got a swoop <laughs> got haircut. Hair. <laughs> he just flips his hair back all the time, and every time he does, it causes a natural disaster. <laughs> like, he, he flips his hair swoop, and there's an earthquake. Swooping Evil. You're like, God damn it, Swooping Evil, stop! That's great. I can't. Oh, God. In this my is, eyes. This one's dangerous, guys. What? <clears throat> Eats free at restaurants when imitating the accent of the culture of the said restaurant. <laughs> so, so he goes into an Indian restaurant, he speaks with the accent, and then he gets his meal for free. Yeah, he's like, give me he, all your curry. And then he gets curry. <laughs> there you go. Uh, he should team up with, uh, what's wrong? Passive aggressive <laughs> 
You're gonna give us our free food even though we were racist? <laughs> of, of course. And, they, and then they, and then they, not, not on name, guys. And they shook oh, their heads back and forth. Um, I feel like Don and Dash needs to work its way. It's dialect. Don and dialect. Something the dialect and dash. Oh, yeah. these are bad. Let's move on before dialectable dish. But I will say, um, can you please, Amos, give me an Irish accent ordering Irish food? As for bangers and mash. Oh, I was like, why the hell am I in this place? Our food's terrible. I'll be going to the Mexican restaurant for some nachos. <laughs> Na- Kindly. Na- I'll see you later, boy. I'm going for nachos. <laughs> I and a margarita. I felt like I was sitting next to Conor McGregor. <laughs> Conor McGregor. All right. <clears throat> last, the the last name that I came up with is the sick swan. <laughs> oh, I got this one. That's just a regular old swan that's converted to sickism. The religion. The religion. I feel like you could do better than that. I imagine this was an irradiated ballerina with the ability to give people infectious diseases. Oh, see, that's so much cooler than making it about religion. Yes. (laughs) Turns out real identity is actually just uh, Kafka. (laughs) Real identity is Natalie Portman. Yeah, just climbs up out of a sewage treatment plant. That's good. Last power I came up with might be the best. Has all the powers of Superman, but only while screaming, I am Batman. <laughs> so he can jump over a building as long as he screams, I am Batman! But everyone's going to be like, no, you're obviously not. You're more like a Superman. Oh, and then, Batman! <laughs> then he's gonna, like, does he sh- fall after? He, like, so in between yelling things, does he start to fall and then he needs to I yell it again to keep flying? I, I hear the Doppler effect. I am Batman! <laughs> I just assume that like whatever I am whatever action he does just requires one I am Batman, you know? If he wants to fly, he just like oh, I'm gonna go to Tokyo today, so I am Batman, then he flies so he's off. shooting laser vision at someone he has does he only have to do it once or I think I am Batman. I am Batman. I would assume every laser that comes every out. Shot. Flying is <coughs> difficult. You just fly around. I am Batman you fly, but if you're like fighting someone, I got you. I got I am Batman. I got it. I am Batman. I got his name. I got his name. He's the habitual liar. <laughs> His name is Batman. Uh, I just like that idea. That's, pretty good. That, that's a pretty good idea for sure. I don't know why you don't like Habatula Liar the better. Spoiler but. is genius, I think. Habatula. Is that what you said? <clears throat> habitual liar. Like he's a habitual liar. I mean, I get it. I right. get okay. it. You, don't explain you didn't laugh because I, I thought good. that you didn't think it was good. So, you know, it's so better fuck than you, the name really. I came up with, which I didn't. So. It's about this subtle. It's, it's funny you mentioned the thing about the spoiler, though, because I got really upset at work uh, a couple of years ago, and I came up with this idea that every time somebody pissed me off, that I was just going to drop them into a film world. Like, cool, fucking Dune. And they just would like show up on Arrakis and thirst to death in three or four hours. Or be eaten by a worm. I still <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I had the ability to drop them in a cool world. You remember that? Oh, yeah. But I named myself, I was going to be a super villain named the Cinema Fuck Rever- Cinema <laughs> <laughs> And you're just wow. like, hey man. You know what? Fuck you. Jurassic Park. And they were like, ah! 
been in the raptor cage and getting fucked up. All right. All right. Hey, all right. I think we successfully recorded another podcast, guys. What do you think? I think we did. Follow 13. You can find me at the Canadian... At, wait, no, that's not me. At the you Canadian can, border. You can find me... <laughs> it's going down. You can find me and... You can find me and the comic trope at Canadian Blake and hashtag the comic trope. You can find Smiling Dave at Count Paper. You can try to find Amos and Sequoia. Just try. And you won't. Well, but we. Pr- you might, but not on social media. No, I mean there are a lot of Amoses you out there. You might find like my criminal record or something, but you won't find me on Facebook. ABC. 123.com, right? Isn't that where you go to figure out if someone's done something illegal? You've clearly checked that more than we have. I don't know. I got a kid, man. <laughs> okay, I'll give you that. Until next time, we would like to say, in all honesty and truth, that you should read a fucking comic. So until next week, bye guys. <laughs>